1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to talk to you about trusting God, trusting the power of God in your life. The actual message is God's power, our faith. So I want to read about five verses here out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and then we'll go ahead and get started. So let's read in chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we can thank God for that, that we have the Word of God, we can trust in His promises, and when we do, we're trusting in the power of God. We're trusting in not the wisdom of men, not our own wisdom, but in the wisdom of God. So there you have it. The focal point of Paul's message to Corinth was to trust in the power of God and not men's wisdoms. Now, there are a couple of different pictures up there, but I'm going to key in on the children of Israel today crossing the Red Sea. Well, you know what? It's no different than a couple sitting around their table stressing out, trying to figure out where are we going next? What are we going to do now in our life? And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, we know God has power and that faith enjoins us or or brings us closer to that power. That's what faith does. When we trust Him, it's like unlocking it. And that's what happened when you got saved. I mean, your whole destiny changed because of putting your faith in Jesus Christ for the payment for your sins at Calvary. And you got saved. I mean, what bigger thing could God do than to save our souls? God's power was displayed because of our faith. But I want to ask you, have you seen the display of God's power in your daily life. In your daily life. In everyday life. When's the last time you saw the power of God displayed in your life? So, I just wonder how much we actually do experience the power of God in our life and uh, after salvation. How many events in the past year can you say, I have witnessed, I have seen God display His power in my life. I was able to see it. I know that it was God. He was real. He acted. I prayed. I watched God display His power. I'm just simply talking about the times when you trusted Him. When you put your faith in Him. When you watched Him exhibit His glorious power in your life. This is every day. Now, it may not happen every day, but when's the last time you experienced God's amazing glorious power in your life i mean he wants to intervene in your family and in your everyday affairs and in your job and your finances and your children he wants to intervene in that and display his power let me put it to you this way what might not have happened if god didn't move i mean if god didn't move in your life this year what might not have happened you see in the past year and then give God some glory and, and give Him some praise and be thankful, right? And have some gratitude for what God's already done. But God wants to do a whole lot more. I'm convinced of it. We need the, rea- the reality that God is there. Now, when we got saved, we said, I believe God's there. In fact, I watched, I watched Jesus die on the cross. I saw Him in the pages of the book. I heard it through the Gospel. But we need to know He's here right now. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But what about my life every day as a Christian? Am I really seeing God's power in my life? He's real. Right now, He cares about us. He cares about you. About what happens to you. Now turn to uh, Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. And we're going to be in 14. Exodus 14. So you might want to put a ribbon there or a card or a piece of paper or something. But we'll be coming back to this. But I want to start reading in Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13 and in verse 17. Now you know the this is the background, but I want to give you the background of the background is that God has called His people out of Egypt. He's dealt with Pharaoh, right? The ten plagues. 
The last one that happened was the firstborn. If they didn't have the blood over the, the lentil, the door, the doorpost, the firstborn was, was taken. The death angel came. If he saw the blood, he did what? Passed over, right? So they celebrated the Passover, and now they're getting ready to come out. And uh, chapter 13 and verse 17 says this, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed or equipped and in rank out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, Joseph said, and you shall carry out my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And I just want you to notice that God's doing the leading here. God's the one that's leading them out. And uh, they wouldn't have any armies to fight. Their battle is going to be a battle of faith, of trusting God. He didn't take them through the way of the Philistines. It might have been a whole lot shorter trip, for sure. But he knew that they would, they would shrink back. They would repent if they saw war. So he took them through the wilderness 40 years. And what do they have to deal with? They have to battle with faith. They have to battle with trusting God. And that's what God knew they would need before they fought the battles when they got into the land. They needed to learn how to trust God before they ever could occupy the land of Canaan. Now look, there's no signs for us today. We don't have pillars of clouds before us and we don't have pillars of fire guiding us. We have the Bible. We have the written promises of God before us. And they are just as mighty, in fact more mighty, than pillars of clouds and pillars of fire. I have the written promise of God. I can hold it up to Him and say, You said this, Lord, and I'm going to trust You. I'm putting my faith in You. And I want to unlock Your power in my life. I'm not preaching some crazy stuff here. I'm talking about God's people doing God's will because they're trusting their God. God's people are being led out of bondage. But there's trials lay ahead. They're coming. Trying times always come upon God's people, don't they? Hey, we got saved, but it ain't over, is it? Hey, if you knew you were going to go through all this when you got saved, you might not have got saved. You might have said, hey, forget that. I'm not, I'm not going to be a Christian. And Hey, let me tell you, life gets tough and it gets difficult and it gets hard to understand sometimes. Why? Look, for anybody that doesn't know, and many have already asked, they wonder where Kathy is. Well, she's still in the A&E because she had a food reaction, an allergic reaction. Now, that was yesterday, but we went through it thinking the hives were going to go down and the itching and all that, but it seemed like it didn't, that wasn't happening. So at 2.30 this morning, we were in the the A&E at CUH, and I had to leave around 6, but I find that they now have a drip in her and... So I'm going to go back over there when we're done here. But, you know, I said, Lord, isn't it funny? I'm preaching on trials and tribulations. And uh, what if I was preaching on leprosy? Wow. I'm glad it's just trials and tribulations, Leo. But you know what? God might want to say, so I want to see how, how much you really trust me. Well, you know what? Kathy's in the hands of God, isn't she? Now, people are going through a whole lot worse than a food allergy. But, you know, it's just a matter of just trusting God. It is well with my soul, amen? And it is well with her soul. So, you know, sometimes we have to experience things. We were talking to somebody, and why do these things happen to us? Well, how are you going to help somebody else if you don't experience this? If you don't experience trusting God and leaning upon Him, how are you ever going to tell somebody else He can be trusted? I'm telling you, He can be trusted. I'm telling you, you can trust God with your family, your finances, your very life. In fact, you are sailing off into eternity because of one profession of faith. Whenever you did that, you're entrusting your soul to Him. Why not every day? So, 
Trust God. Believe God. Have faith. As I said, 27 years ago, I got saved. How? By faith. <laughs> well, the power of God worked. So I was struck by the truths about how God interceded for the children of Israel as they went out from bondage, uh, the bondage of Egypt. And it was all by His power and their trust in what He could do. They were learning. And, yet, and He is the same God today. Now, Exodus chapter 14 Let's read verses 1 through 4. God's plan and God's leading. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Piahiroth between Migdal and the sea over against Baal Zephon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So we see this is God's plan. This is God's leading. He said, you're not going straight up along the route, up into the Philistines area. You're going to turn and go south. And I'm going to stop you at this place called Piahiroth, and the tower of Migdal was there, and over across the Red Sea, against them was Baal Zephon. He told them exactly, this is where I want them to go. Okay? So, God's leading them. So the children of Israel are going to see some things even stranger than what they witnessed in Egypt. I mean, all the weird plagues and all the stuff that happened, they're going to see a lot bigger things than that. Hang on. But God's people, like the children of Israel, are going to confront things that are seemingly impossible issues in our life. We almost throw up our hands and say, these are dead ends. I don't know what to do anymore. That might be a good thing. So that you can allow God to do some work in that situation. They're hard to understand. And we have questions about them. There's nothing the matter with that. God understands that we are weak at best and frail. He understands His creatures. And we have questions, but there's some things we need to consider. And the first thing is that God led them there. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Now, God doesn't do anything wrong. What I mean is, we can come up with our questions. Why? Well, He has His reasons. We never know what God's whole plan is. He said, take a step, and when you get there, then you can take another step. But I'm only going to give you the light you need to take a step of faith. And that's how we that's how we move step by step. It seems that they're wedged in there, this one mountain range, and the and the Red Sea, and then Pharaoh's getting ready to come up from behind them. They got nowhere to go. But God put them there. And they found themselves seemingly trapped. And sometimes we can say ourselves, I'm trapped. I have nowhere to go. I don't know what to do. What is going on, Lord? The situation looks bleak. You've been there before, I'm sure. I know I've been there before where I've said, what am I going to do? And you get frustrated. Can you turn that off? And uh, so a thousand ways this thing could have played out. And we could think of a thousand different ways, uh, the things that we've gone through, how it could have played out. But God was orchestrating the whole thing. I just want you to see that because that should be some comfort. If God leads you there, then God knows you're there and He knows what He wants to do. So it's best just to trust Him. Wherever you find yourself, trust God and God's right there. God's going to get you through this thing. He is the one that led you there. He led the, the uh, children of Israel there. In verse 3, it says, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel... Now, God knows what the effects of His judgments are and His wisdom. He knows where that's going to take you. He knows what's going to happen. Isn't that amazing? I know what Pharaoh's going to do. I'm orchestrating this. Not at the expense of man's free will, but because I know what you're going to choose. And God can do that. And He orchestrates all this according to His good pleasure and His will. So when something comes into your life, it could be also from the effect or going to affect many other people. But God has a plan. He's not throwing up His hands going, why did I do that? <laughs> now what do I do? 
Trust Him. We are simply to trust Him. If we could just boil this all this down to, I just need to trust God. We have got to learn to trust God. Faith gets the power of God working in our life. In verse 4, God was going to get honor. You see at the end there, He says, I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. So basically, God was saying, this is about me. I'm using you, but this is about me. I want to get honor, and I will get honor upon Pharaoh. And he wants to get honor in your life. He wants to get glory in your life. Because, frankly, your life and my life is his life. He bought it and paid for it. It's his. He wanted to get honor and he wanted to show the world who he was. Hold your finger here and just turn over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 17. God doesn't change. There's other scriptures I could have taken you to, but 1 Samuel 17, you know that's David fighting the giant, right? And he just he's just getting ready to, to get it on here in verse 45. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 says, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear. Sounds like Pharaoh and his chariots. And with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. What The bottom line is, I want the world to know who your God is, David. So I'm bringing you into this situation so I get glory. I'm fighting the battle, he says. And I want to be honored and I want to get glory. And guess what? Today God wants to be honored and glorified in your life. And sometimes it comes through trials. It would be better... Not to fight them, but just to follow them. It would be better just to say, Lord, I trust you. I don't like it. I don't think I have to like it, but I do trust you. And I want you to be honored in my life. We are His instruments. I just think we forget that sometimes. You know, it's easy to think this is all about me. No, it isn't. (laughs) It's all about the God who bought you and paid for us, and He owns us, and He wants to glorify Himself in our lives. And sometimes that comes through trouble. So the only way to get through the trouble is to to draw closer to God. God is not... Let me say this. Why does this have to happen to me? Have you ever asked that? Why am I going through this? What did I do, Lord? Why, we ask. Instead of saying, it is well with my soul. That's what I would like to be able to say. Right in the midst of real turmoil, say, it is well with my soul because God's right here with me. I don't like it, but I do know that God has taken me through this tough time. God is not surprised where we find ourselves or where you find yourself today. And frankly, as I was talking with somebody else, sometimes it's self-inflicted. We're here because of ourselves. We're here because of the choices that we've made. That doesn't mean that God still doesn't want to display His power in our life and get us through to the other side. So trust Him. Wouldn't that be better than fighting against Him? Yes, we've made some bad decisions. But no matter what happens, I'm going to heaven. And on the way, I'd rather trust Him and, and help it, let Him take me through many of the problems that I've caused. Now, God knows what He's doing. He's working in the lives of his people. Back in Exodus chapter 14. We go to verses 5 through 9. Verses 5 through 9. And it was told the king of Egypt. That the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants. Was turned against the people. And they said. Why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariot. And took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them 
all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamping by the sea, besides Piahiroth, uh, before Baal Zephon. So, what do I get out of this? That Satan and the world is pursuing you every day in your walk with God. He's after you. He wants to destroy you. Let me take you to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Can I tell you that Satan hates you? (laughs) Why don't you hate him back? He hates you. In John chapter 10, one of the, well, I, I love this chapter. It is so good. But when you get up to verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God wants to give us abundant life. When you got saved, you were free. You were given liberty to go in and out. You have freedom in your life now. You're not under the bondage of sin. And neither were the children of Israel. They weren't under the bondage of Egypt anymore. And he says, like, and find pasture. You know, you, you, you find the, the pasture of the Word of God. You're able to feed off the promises of God. But the devil wants to come and steal and kill and destroy. He means it. God said it. Jesus is the one telling them, this is what He wants to do to you. But I want to give you abundant life. So, Pharaoh's found out they're on their way out. He gets all of his chariots because he hates the idea that the children of Israel now have left Egypt. And Satan hates you. And he hated it when you got saved because he lost you. And now your eternal soul's in the hand of God. Do you realize that he's in hot pursuit? He is in hot pursuit for each and every one of us here. He's looking for a way to bring you down. He wants you back. The world wants you back. Too often we give in to the world and do the things of the world. They don't have to do anything. We go walking right back to it. Every day Satan, the world, and your flesh get in their chariots and arm themselves to pursue after us. Every day. Because they, did, they hated the idea of losing us. And they're trying to make it difficult. Many times it's the result of God allowing these things in our life to show Himself mighty on our behalf. They were led of God to this place. Let's not, let's not turn away from God. He brought us there for a reason possibly. The Lord wants you to trust Him. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee And to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. He wanted to know where your devotion lied. Where's the devotion of your heart? Do I have to continue to humble the children of Israel? To test their heart. Let them get a good look at their heart. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So God tests us. Sometimes He allows things in our life not to drive us away, draw us closer. We don't learn a whole lot on the mountaintop. We learn most in the valleys. That's where we learn to trust God. When I'm on the mountaintop, we don't, God's not even in our thoughts many times. It's when we're going through something that we seem to want to draw near to God. Now we want God. And too often he already knows that. Dependence on God is always learned in the valleys and troubles and tribulations of life. Never on the mountaintops. And by the way, this is a spiritual battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
I don't have to go beat anybody up or try to. <laughs> but I mean, it's not a physical battle. God didn't give us boxing gloves. He gave us the Bible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, which are untruths, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's a spiritual battle. It was a spiritual battle for the, uh, for the children of Israel also. It was getting down into their heart where they live. And our battle is the same. It's fought in our heart and in our mind and in our attitude. It's a spiritual battle. So we need spiritual weapons. You're not going to fight this battle uh, with physical weapons. We battle wrong thinking. Uh, we battle, you know, we don't think, we don't think right. We're thinking like the old man, the carnal nature. Instead of thinking according to the promises of God and say, I'm going to trust you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. We battle with that. That's a spiritual battle of wrong thinking. Selective obedience. I'm going to obey here, but I'm not obeying there. And we all do it every day. We disobey, and then I'm going to obey. And it's selective obedience. Or just trusting in yourself. Um, Psalm 20, verse 7. I'll read it for you. Psalm 20, verse 7. says this, Some trust in chariots, hmm, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. That's what we're going to trust in. We're not going to trust in, in physical things. We're going to trust in a God that we can't see. But we know He's there. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Just believing God. Not trusting in ourselves. Our weapons are the truth. Thank God we have the truth. Unadulterated truth. As pure as you can make something, that is the truth that you hold in your hand. The truth of God. You can stand on it. The Bible. The Holy Spirit. And prayer. These are our weapons. These are our shields. This is our armor. Our spiritual armor. Is faith. It's a shield of faith. And it's a shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts of Satan. Because he will fire them at you. What are those fiery darts? Darts of doubt. Don't trust. Look where God's brought you. Look what is happening in your life. And you start entertaining that instead of throwing up the shield of faith and saying, no, I'm going to trust God. I'm putting my faith in God. Not in the imagination that just come into my mind. It's an untruth. Cast it down. Don't entertain it. Don't keep listening to that. The darts of doubt will come. Throw up the shield of faith. That quenches those fiery darts. So Satan's world, it's his plan. He's in hot pursuit every day. Trust in the Lord. Use the weapons that God has given us to stay close to Him. When Satan comes, fight back. Exodus 14. Exodus 14. Our problem is focusing on the problem. In chapter 14 and verse 10 it says this, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness." I thought of the fact that their problem is they're focusing on the problem. <laughs> they're not focusing on God. And our perceptions are not always the truth. We don't see like God sees. Especially we haven't been in our Bible. And we don't have put faith in Him. Then what we see is not really the truth. They say that 90% of the stuff you worry about never happens anyway. We worry about things that never even happen. And I've never seen worry on my part help one bit but make me more of a worry wart. It doesn't help a bit in the situation. 
Oh, teach us not to worry, God. When the trials come, and they will come, keep your focus on the Lord. Just keep your eyes on Him. This was God's plan, remember? He led them there. In verse 12, For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Well, they certainly are not looking to God if they think they're going to die in the wilderness. God brought them there to kill them. They wanted to go back into bondage. Now think about that. They wanted to go back to Egypt. That was better. That was better than trusting in God. Would you exchange salvation for hell? No. Would you exchange freedom for bondage? No. Would you exchange life for death? No. But that's what they, that's what they saw. That was their perception. You brought us here to die. We perceive, not through the eyes of Scripture, not through faith, we're going to see it, we're going to see it very wrong. Would you exchange salvation to go back and to know that you're going to hell? There are going to be trials after salvation. There's going to be trials in our Christian life. That's life. Imagine if you didn't have Jesus. Imagine if you were going through this as a lost person. Like we used to. Remember the decisions we made? That all changed when we got saved. It's like saying, I'm lost. And that's okay. Everything's fine. I'm going to hell, but at least I'm not, uh, I'm not going to go through the Red Sea. Now I can go back to Egypt and make bricks. Well, to us there's no difference between a million people backed up against the sea with the enemy hot on their trail. There's no difference. Whatever's in our life, it's scary too. And we can't handle it in our own mind and our thoughts. And physically, we we got to trust God. It seems impossible to alter. Just like they looked out at the Red Sea. They look back here. They have nowhere to go. What's going on? Why would He lead them? Why would He take them there? It's scary. And the same things happen in our life. And it is. It's scary. Our personal struggles, though, and our heartbreaks are only show our efforts are hopeless without God. It only shows us how frail we are. And that there's really not much we can do. We're just like the children of Israel. We're up against a dead end. What can we really do? But God saved us and said, trust me. (laughs) I think it's a great exchange. That I can now trust God. Before, I trusted myself And look where it got me. You know, our struggles and heartaches are just like David's giant. They're big. And sometimes we see it and we give up because we're looking at the giant. And we give up and our faith dwindles like David. You remember David? David's faith dwindled when he he, uh, said, Saul, Saul, I will die at the hand of Saul, I think he said one time. I'm going to die at the hand of Saul. David's faith dwindled. How about Elijah when he was with Jezebel? Great prophet. But that, that woman scared him to death, man. That woman scared him to death. And uh, let me remind you that David later sat on the throne and Saul fell on his own sword. And let me remind you that Elijah went up in a fiery chariot and Jezebel got a brick thrown on her head. I think. Amen? Come on, say amen anyway. We'll get it right. Why? Because their faith dwindled. But God still was God. And they're unexplainable sometimes the things that come into your life. You don't understand it. Hey, I know somebody that didn't understand it. Job. Job couldn't put his finger on this thing. Certainly his wife couldn't. I'm doing everything right, Lord. And you allow this? But trust Him. Trust Him. To us, they're impossible to overcome. They are unfixable. Just like the Jews at the Red Sea. Uh, (laughs) This is impossible. We are stuck here now. We're going to die. All million of us are going to die right here on this beach. And we lose heart. We give up. We throw up our hands. And we fall apart. And we stay in bed. And we get fearful. And we're paralyzed. Because we're, we're focusing on the problem. And we charge God foolishly like Job's wife did. Why don't you just curse God and die? 
We do the same thing. But let me remind you that 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon Him. Why? Because He careth for you. You see the promise in there? Not only, it's all for our benefit. He says, go ahead and cast it on me. You know why I want you to cast your care on me? Because I care about you. That's a promise. God cares for me. And He cares for you. He hasn't let go. Don't let the cloud of the trial hide God. It's a cloudy day. It may be raining. But once you get above the clouds, you'll see the sun. It's still there. (laughs) It hasn't gone anywhere. It's just that the cloud is hiding it. Well, we don't see God. Especially when you're looking at the cloud. You're looking at the trial. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? The first thing it mentions. Shall tribulation? Shall whatever you're going through separate you from the love of Christ? No. He loves you. All the way. Deuteronomy 33. And there is no 37, I don't think. So we're going to have to go to 27 and hope that that's the verse. Deuteronomy 33. And in verse 27. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is thy refuge. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, destroy them. So he's there. You don't see it. But underneath it all, he's, his everlasting arms are there. Because he loves you. He's your refuge. He's your eternal God. Turn over one page, Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I'm just saying God's with you. Don't get your eyes on the problem. Keep your eyes on God because He's right there. He is right there with you. Back in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14 say this. Exodus 14:13 And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. This is the proper response to trials is to don't fear, stand still. Stand still. Don't fret. Don't worry. See, the Lord gives us the plan on how we should behave toward the trials of life. Fear ye not. Stand still. Truly, our efforts are hopeless anyway. (laughs) They really are. Why not trust in God? Why not stand still? Stop fretting. Stop trying to figure this thing all out and get on your knees and pray. Say, God, help me to trust you. And get out of God's way. Let God be God. What can we do that God cannot do? What are we specifically designed for to do that the designer can't do? What are we trying to do? Except fail miserably. Like we do so often. When we try to fix things. Let me just say this. We can't move mountains. But mustard seed faith in God can. Isn't that what the Bible says? If you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, the dot at the end of a sentence, you could move mountains. I can't move a mountain. I can't even move a small mound of dirt. But faith, little faith in a big God moves mountains in my life. It's God's power, our faith. We can stand still and wait on God. We can stand still and wait on God. Because Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Stop fussing. Stop fighting. Stop running around with your hands trying trying to take control of this thing. Just let me do what I can do. Trust me. 
Whatever it is you're facing is totally and completely under the control of Almighty God. Our faith and our trust in God is the only power that we need. Because it unlocks, in a sense, His power. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there, please, with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. Paul says, you know, he wanted to have this um, um, thorn in the flesh removed. And he sought the Lord and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed to have it removed. And then in verse 9, and he said unto me, Jesus said unto Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is God's strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Why am I strong? Because Christ is strong in me. Now I'm, re- I'm relying upon Him. His grace is always sufficient for us. Give it to God and take your hands off it. Once you commit your situation to Him, then, as it says back in Exodus 14, see the salvation of the Lord. See God do what only God can do. See God's ability to do, to do great things for us. He can. He wants to. I wonder how much he ever wanted to do in my life that I didn't allow him. Hmm. Wow, he's there. God did it. I mean, can you see something in the past 12 months? God did that. No one else could do that. God did it. I I witnessed the power of God. You see, verse 14 says, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. That means be still. Stop fussing and fighting. I'm going to do the battle. I'm going to fight this battle. The same thing he did with with, uh, David. Gave him the skill to to throw that thing right in the middle of that giant's head. But that should be music to our ears. That God is going to fight fight for us and fight that battle. If we only knew how often God was doing the heavy lifting, we'd faint if we knew all that would have happened. If we weren't trusting God. If God didn't Take it up to do do something on our behalf. The proper response to trials, fear you not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We've got to learn to stop fussing and fighting. And just, just trust God. Just let God do something. I know it's hard, but when you do, you will see the power of God. You will see Him move in your life and you'll go, that's amazing. I want to do this again. I want to trust God. Because faith, your faith will begin to increase. Exodus 14 and in verse 15 says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. It's time to go forward. That means that's God's command. It's God's timing. Now it's time to go forward. When it's time to move and respond to God's calling and bidding, do it. Because when they did it, verse 22 says, And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Do it. Go forward. I don't know what it is in your life. You trust in God. When God says go, go. Believe Him and obey Him. We need to learn to stand still before we can ever go forward though. We've got to learn to trust Him before we'll ever take the step, the next step of faith. To stand still before you go forward. Now look, I just have uh, one more verse of Scripture. Psalm 27, if you would. Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And in verse 13. Psalm 27, 13 says, I had fainted, 
I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Be still. Be still. Then we can go forward. Wait on God's timing. Wait. And when God says do something, just do it. It's time. It's better to follow the Lord, as I said before, than to fight against Him. It's better to just walk behind Him, walk with Him, than to fight against Him. Faith moves one step at a time in complete trust of God. And I've given you an illustration before of a place I used to work when I was working uh, with the Naval Department. They had these big hangars. And they were a few hundred feet high and about a thousand feet long. They were used for the blimps during World War II. That's how old they were. These old wooden hangars. And now the Army and the Navy were just using them for aircraft. to store in there and fix and helicopter squadrons were in there. But we had to fix the hangars and keep them repaired. So the lights were all down below us. So when we were up at the top of the hangars working and had to transverse from one side of the hangar to the other, we weren't going to go all the way down all those steps. Walk the entire length of the hangar and then walk all the way up the steps again. So there was a catwalk. Great. So you just had to walk straight across. But there was dark. It was dark up there. And uh, because all the lights were below, on the deck below, where the, the men worked on the aircraft. So, good. We had light, though. You had to t- hit this switch, and it would light up about 30 foot of catwalk. So you walk down. Guess what was at the, at the end of that 30 feet? Another switch. And when you hit that switch, that light went off, and this light went on. What do you do? you got to go forward. <laughs> That's faith. God's going to light up a certain amount. He's going to show you what He wants you to do. Then walk in it. Go forward. Don't go back. Go forward. And, you know, you just learn to trust God. I mean, our faith gets stronger every day as we exercise it. Every day. Just like your muscles. In Romans chapter 1, it tells us that there's your faith and then there's the faith. The faith doesn't change. That's like your skeleton in your body. That's the Bible. That's Jesus Christ. That's the faith. But your faith is like a muscle. You can exercise it. And it will get stronger. But you've got to go forward. Faith moves one step at a time in complete trust of God. Don't go back. Now look, Exodus chapter 14, verses 16 through 30. Continue on with the story. God tells Moses, put up your rod. And, uh, and the sea uh, began to open. And then the angel of the Lord moved from in front of them to behind them. Why? Because Pharaoh's armies were coming. And and he will fight your battles also. He'll get between you and the enemy. Isaiah 54.17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And isn't that true? They went over on dry ground and the Egyptians died. And And God can take care of the enemy in your life also. Now, what's the conclusion of all this? Verse 31. Exodus 14 and verse 31. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. So, the reason for God's work in your life. This is what He's doing. God wants you wants you to see His power displayed in your life. The theme for the whole year is, He is mighty to save. He wants to save someone in here this morning that's not saved. He he can do it. He has the ability. He's the one that takes the initiative. He's the one that takes the action in salvation. If you're not saved here this morning, it's because you've never come to the one who's mighty to save. But if you come to Him, I guarantee you'll be saved like the rest of us. We came by faith and unlocked the power that God is able to save a soul. My friend, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you can be saved. It's God's power and your faith. See what He's able to accomplish in your life as you trust Him. And fear Him because there's nothing the matter with fearing God. It's clean. It's reverent. It's good. It's good to fear God. It's good to bite a nail once in a while. And I don't mean you're going, ah! Like he's a ghoul. I mean, that's God. And I'm me. He's awesome. He's big. He's amazing. 
He's mighty to save. And I can't save nothing. But He can save anything or anybody. God will get glory and others will see the Lord's work in your life. And that is so true. God wants to show the world that He is the Lord. And He's using us as the instruments to do that many times, even through the trials that we don't like. But it's all for our benefit. It's all for our benefit. And chapter 15 starts with God's people singing a song. Now the praise starts. There was no praise before, I guarantee you. There was no praise in God. Now they're getting ready to praise God and Moses is going to sing that song. And praise the Lord out of chapter 15. And we're going to close the message now. And then we're going to have John come up. We're going to sing a song. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. And we're going to praise the Lord for all that He's done in our life. Let's bow our heads and, and our hearts before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I certainly do thank You, Lord, just for, just for the instruction, the help for me. I, I hope that it helps somebody here to just know that God can be trusted. You can be trusted. You are able. Uh, you're the one that seeks out people to save their souls. Uh, Lord, you led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. They saw your power. And we can see that same power every day in our life. We really can. And I pray you'd help us to have more moments, events, where we see God's power unlocked in our life. Because we've trusted you. And Lord, when the tribulations come, and when the tough times come, and the hardships, and we're wondering, what do I do now? Well, we know what to do. Trust you. You're right there. Cast our care upon you because you care for us. Nothing's going to separate us from the love of Christ, not even our tribulation. God, I pray that it, this is just practical help as we wind up this month on the power of God to realize that there's power of God every day in our life. And I pray, Lord, if there's one that's here that's not saved, that power has already been displayed at Calvary. There is nothing else to do but trust, put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I pray that someone would do that this morning, Lord. And I pray that you would just bless us, even through the singing now, as we praise you like Moses and the people did. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.